Hello and welcome back to the Football Chat Podcast. Today it's episode 158. We've got a plethora of topics, as always, to talk about across the world of football. But firstly, Harry, how are you today? I mean, I still think I'm recovering from what we saw on Monday night. Um, still think you're recovering. Yeah, I, I think yeah. I'm there. I think I'm there. Brilliant. I've finally recovered. I think I'm ready to talk about it. And... It's going to be exciting. Yeah, we delayed recording by a day so we could watch that Chelsea-Tottenham game. And thank God we did, because yeah. what a game it was. And now we can talk about it on today's episode. A lot to go through from the match. That's how we're going to start today's podcast, talking about that game, obviously, at the weekend or on Monday night between Tottenham and Chelsea. A brilliant game of football. It really, a, bit, a lot of drama. A lot happened. I mean, what, five or six disallowed goals? <laughs> well, I was going to say, we're going to have it in order because I've got a full list here. So we'll start with the first moment. We'll, we'll break down the whole game, then we'll go into a bit more of an yeah. analysis of it all. Sixth minute, Tottenham goal, Dejan Kulisevsky. I thought, for God's sake, yeah, very we're going to lose 8-0. <laughs> yeah, that is that, like, a, a normal 3-0 win for Tottenham, a bit of a rough night as Chelsea yeah. fans. And then it all looked I, even worse. All I can say from there, the next... 85 minutes of football were absolutely bonkers. Yes, in the 14th minute, a second goal for Tottenham was disallowed. That was Son's effort just offside. Just a bit fortunate with that because yeah. De Sassi got completely... He lost his marker. Son should have scored. He did score. Yeah. Just off by a hair, if that. So a very, very tight offside. Then we had the Destiny U doggy chance. I think this one has drawn a lot of criticism and praise and controversy and discussion across... Across the football landscape, what do we think of the Udoggy challenge? I don't think it's a red card. Really? I don't. I, I don't. Um, I think, and this is this is with my unbiased hat on here, uh, because for me, I think it's dangerous. It's reckless, and he does endanger Sterling. But if you actually look at how much contact he makes with Raheem Sterling, it's very minimal. Right. I, I, I think if he goes in like that and hits him, you know, even if it's, even if it's small contact then I think it's a red card. But it's barely any, there's barely any contact. I strongly disagree. Strongly disagree. I think if you fly, it doesn't matter if you make contact because he's completely out of control, two feet in the air, studs up. I don't think that can possibly not be a red card. We've I got to protect our footballers. If he goes flying in like that, the thing is, if he does catch him, certainly breaks his leg or his ankle because he's flown in like that. And we saw how it can be so, so horrible when, when Son accidentally did it to Andre Gomez. A quite yeah. a similar tackle. Arguably, your doggies is worse. So, personally, your doggy should have been sent off in that moment. Yeah, I suppose. I suppose it is in danger. I just think the actual tackle for the contact, it, it, it would have been a bit harsh to send him off. But I can see the yeah. intent. As, but as we all know, it didn't really matter in the end. Yeah, well, 20th minute, then we had the Romero incident. So, no card awarded, not even a VAR check for this. What do we think of this? So, this is not the penalty, which we'll get into in a bit. This is the Romero incident where Thiago Silva cleared the ball away and he lashed out by kicking. Was it Levi Colwell he yeah. kicked? No idea what he was Him doing. Silva. Should have been a straight red. Yeah. yeah. No, it wasn't even checked by VR. John yeah. Brooks has a lot to, to answer for, but he didn't even check this. Didn't even check it. And this absolutely this made my blood boil this. I mean, obviously, it all didn't matter again. It all didn't matter in the end. Mm. But still, he's been long gone. He's been yeah. long gone. Didn't check that though. Too busy checking the Chelsea goal, which was disallowed. The 21st minute strike for yeah. Raheem Sterling, cup striking his hand on the way through. Then the 28th minute, Moise Caicedo thought he'd drawn Chelsea level, but that was given against Chelsea due to the fact that it had Nick, Le- Jackson. Nick Jackson was in, impeding. Inter- impeding, interfering with play in an offside position. 
it took five minutes from that moment, from that goal being scored to the moment where Christian Romero actually received a red card for his penalty, for his tackle. He went flying in on Enzo Fernandez, studs up into the ankle, a straight red card, a clear and obvious and red was, card, no debate. That was before Kaiser found the back of the net. <laughs> we 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 got apparently a red card on the guard. That was in the build-up, yeah. So a lot a lot happened. Romero was sent off in the thirty-third minute, but the fact that it took five minutes yeah, to sort go. through the Caicedo goal yeah. and then the penalty, uh, mental, absolutely mental. But uh, anyway, two minutes later, Chelsea did convert that penalty. It took two minutes from when Romero was sent yeah, off to the penalty yeah. actually being taken. He, he just didn't walk off the pitch. He refused to leave. Then Son was having to go at the ref. It was all a bit of a mess. Cole Palmer finished at well thirty-fifth minute. 41st minute, Antoine Sokoku picked up his yellow card yeah. for a few for various complaints. And then just before the half, 45 minutes and 45 minutes again, Mickey Van der Ven and James Madison both subbed off injured. Really horrible to see. Yeah. From a fan perspective, obviously, it was really useful for the game. But you never want to see a player go injured. No. You never want to see an injury as horrible as Van der Ven's. No. Never like to see a hamstring injury because that's the type of thing that players may never recover from fully. And hopefully, both of them make a, make a full recovery swiftly. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, potentially some really crucial players there for Tottenham out for a while. Then in the 45 plus 10, Jackson got a yellow. Yeah. Then the 45 plus 10, Levi Cole got a yellow. In the 45 plus 10, as Pape Sarr got a yellow. In that same time, we had the Reese James incident, which a lot of Tottenham fans have been calling for a red card for. Do you see any logic in that, or is it just complete bollocks? I think it's utter bollocks, to be honest. Um, there's nothing in it. It goes up for a header. It's not. It's not an elbow. Because if you elbow someone, you're going like that. It, he, yes, his elbow yeah. hit his face, but his arm was dead straight. That's not an elbow. There was there was no intention there. I think that's the crucial thing. If he just you know goes and swings his elbow at his face, then fair enough. But I, I but get you... it, though. If he goes up for a header and accidentally goes like that, but he doesn't. His arm's straight, and it happens to be that the part of his arm... Because his forearm hits him, you don't call for a yellow. No. Just no. happened to be that, that that bit of his that normally bit of his elbow was a straight you know, when his arm was straight and that hit him. Second half was a little bit more cagey. It was calm for a good fifteen minutes or ten minutes. Then Disney U Doggy picked up his second yellow of the game. And he knew immediately he was in trouble. It was a silly tackle. Yeah. He went flying in on Sterling, already on a yellow. It was an easy decision for referee Michael Oliver, and he was given his second yellow card and therefore shown a red Disney U Doggy in the fifty fifth minute. It then took Chelsea twenty minutes despite the fact they had two players extra, to find the back of the net, Nicholas Jackson's goal. In, the lo- in that time, there was a lot of big moments, a lot of great yeah. saves from, from Vicario. There was, in Emmanuel Neuer. Yeah, there was that one where Kukarev finally realised what you've got to do is start really yeah. late, bomb forwards. He got in behind and Vicario pulled off a fantastic stop. That was one of a collection of saves I mean, he made in this game. We said during the stream, it was like watching the ghost of Marcus Alonso. Yeah. And he bursted through the back line and was strong, Carl. Alonso's not dead. His passenger is. Uh, then in the, <laughs> in the 80th minute, Tottenham had a goal ruled out. That was the Eric Dyer one that came across. That ball came into I the did, box. I did not see the flag initially. And I, I was worried. Yeah, that was that was a bit of a stupid moment. I can't understand how Eric Dyer wasn't subbed off. I'm uh, sorry, how, how he no. wasn't marked up for that one. Tottenham very much could have had a goal there. Malagasta got yellow in the 86th. Madrid got yellow in the 89th. Then Chelsea scored through Nicholas Jackson again in the 94th. And then Leslie Gachukwa picked up a yellow, having a hat player down after he gave away possession cheaply. And then Nicholas Jackson round off his hat-trick in the 97th minute. What a game. Absolute madness. game. But yeah, absolutely sensational game of football. It lasted well over 100 minutes. Incredible, really. Really incredible. And yeah, I loved it. 
drama, chaos, VAR controversy. It had it all, really, didn't it? Yeah, and I mean, at the end of the day, I think, you know, the the result, you'd expect the result to be the other way around. You yeah. know, Tottenham losing for the first time this season, City now sit top of the league. I think it's the first time I've ever seen, though, a team win 4-1, and yet the after everyone's analysing it, saying they were the worst team. It's incredible. Yeah. It really is incredible how... Actually, Chelsea weren't fantastic. Given the fact we were up by two players, the fact they only had nine on the pitch, I mean, there's been a lot of aftermath. There's a lot to go through and discuss. What do we want to talk about first? No, I think it's an interesting one because you look at the, the two red cards for Tottenham first. I think the Romero one is a definite penalty and a definite red card. And the Udogi one is a sea tackle on the It should have been sent off before then anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't think there's any debate I there. I think, the, for me, the only poor call, or the really poor call of the game, was the Romero one. The Romero's first one. You cannot kick a player. Yeah, I think I think the chance. biggest biggest complaint of VAR was the length of time it took. Oh, yeah, but it took forever. It did. It took really, really long. But in in the aftermath, a lot to a lot of things to look at. We had so a lot of people praising Ange Postecoglou. A lot of people calling him an idiot for going bold with the high line. What what is your take on it? I think it's mental. They've had an eight-one. Yeah. They're an eight-one formation. Well, that's fine, but it's the line that a lot of people have a problem with. I mean, the, the, if you've seen the picture where Reese Jake the ball one all over the top of Kukurea, as I'm saying, a line, a high line. No, no, but you could play that deeper. In yeah. theory, it's just they had them all on the halfway line, which it's not an eight, it's a zero eight one. It was their formation for the eight, yeah. and they just played a midfield line. But there's a high line, and then there's just not having a defence. Yeah. So they sat on the halfway line, made it quite difficult actually for Chelsea to get the ball in behind, knowing that Vicario was there to sweep. So, in a sense, it was some really smart stuff from Postecoglou. However, I do think that if Chelsea were a bit more clinical, if it was just any other team in the Premier League, they would have conceded a lot yeah. of goals. Yeah. And you, I, I'm not saying that it was wrong for Postecoglou. I think that once you go down to nine, you don't have to do what everyone says you have to do. Like there was this, there's this consensus that it's stupid, and, you, and when you go down to get down a player or down by two players, you've got to put everyone behind the ball, sit in a low block, and just hold on to whatever you can. But I, I feel like it was good advantage for Scotland to go for it. It's still a London derby. At the I, end of the day, they still had something to fight for. I, I, I rate it. I have to say, I rate it. I think I think Highland was absolutely fine at ten. I think nine is such an abnormal number of footballs on a football pitch, I think you just have to sit low and hope I think 10, do What's the point? Well, I, I, for me, I think if Tottenham sat low, they would have only lost 2-1. But at that point, why not go for it? Because they were still able to press Chelsea and that worked really well. And actually, a, a major reason why it took Chelsea so long to find a goal was Tottenham's system, in my opinion. I think that I if they'd know, sat, if they tried to sit low, Chelsea would have found a way through them eventually because they had two extra players. But equally, I still think it should have been a four-one game. No. Well, personally, if you, if, it, if a team's two got two players up, they should be getting double digits. They've got two extra players, just pass it around them, mm. really. But yeah, I feel like I feel like it's it's an interesting one because it's bold for Manchester to conclude. I think. Him coming out in the press afterwards and saying, you know, that's a high line, that's how we're going to play, mate, is quite interesting. Yeah, no, it is. But I, I do think that it made more sense because it gives them more information and more experience heading into yeah. future matches. Playing that high line, playing that pressing system despite going down by two players. I, I do think, how I, I do think from a Chelsea point of view, 
got a bit lucky because Chelsea weren't great. I disagree. Weren't great. I feel like there's been this consensus that Chelsea was shit, but it's difficult to play against that nine-man system. Once we realised that we just had to put the ball in behind, we were really, really decent. Yeah, there's some different. There were some times where players should have finished chances, but people were saying Nick Jackson was was crap. He had six shots all evening. He finished three. That's pretty decent. And you consider one of them was after he'd already scored yeah, a hat trick and he blasted it over the bar. I I I I think it we it, it should have been much easier for us. It should have. We made it difficult for ourselves, but I don't think we were bad in any sense. No, no, I don't think we were great. Like we we, we shouldn't we we shouldn't have beaten really. Like uh, what I mean is we shouldn't. I thought, yeah, no, I disagree with you because oh, in that no. in that sense you're almost saying that Tottenham deserved to win, but I don't see in any no 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 no, no any no, no, sense no, how no, that is. No, no 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 I haven't finished. Um, they. They didn't deserve to win, but what I'm saying, after that first six minutes, they should have. And, then, and right. I, this is what I say about Romero being an absolute donkey, because we got, we got fortunately, they went two up inside 15, and if Romero doesn't kick out to someone and then just absolutely murder Enzo Fernandez in the penalty area, Tottenham, Tottenham would have been one that, you know, one that would have decent. But team. even with 11 players in the pitch, Chelsea were coming forward as well. Sterling scored. Yes, it was disallowed. Sterling scored and Caicedo scored while we had 11 players. I, I also still think they respond from that penalty, though, if they have 11 on the pitch. Yeah, you could argue so. But after, after all of that, they lot, they completely it's, it's impossible to say because that would have changed game state and at that point, Chelsea had momentum. No, so if anything, I could see I could have seen Chelsea going on from that point to get another one. Chelsea, but I thought Chelsea did all right when there was 11 versus 11. I think that Chelsea should have done better when, when we were down down a few players, obviously, but we still won 4-1. I don't really have a problem with, with any with it at all, really. We played some nice stuff. Yeah, there was a couple of frustrating moments that, you know, the Kukurea chance which should have been a goal in about the 65th minute, but it's a left-back bombing forwards. Yeah, he should have scored, but... You know, I'm not, I'm not frustrated. I just, I'm, I'm not letting 4-1 against Tottenham kind of mar where we are right now. No, I'm I'm not either. Or Cloud, I think, is a better thing yeah. than Mar because you can't really mar something with a positivity. But I think if you look at this, at the moment, even if Chelsea win, there's this negative clamouring to have a go at anything in like, oh, Disassi was shit, Gusto was shit, Sanchez was shit, any other team we lose. Can we not just enjoy a victory? We played some decent stuff at times. Yeah, Disassi probably should have done more for for the Son chance late in the late in the game. Yes, yeah, Sanchez could he have could he have saved the could have saved one possibly, but it's harsh to to have a go at Robert Sanchez when he's been a very good goalkeeper for us this season. I don't know, but that, I, I, well, that's a statistical thing. He has been a very good goalkeeper in the league this season. Yes, he was not great in the Arsenal game. He made a big error in that one, and he made it. He could have saved the Kudelski chance, but based off the, if you base his whole performance off the last two games, then sure, have a go at him. But I think it's harsh to have a go at him when he's been a very, he's been one of the better goalkeepers in the league this season. All right. I, what? I, I don't know. I've, <laughs> it's a stats-based okay, yeah, analysis. Yeah, I've watched, I've watched all the Chelsea games this season that I can, and I've looked at him, and he hasn't filled me with any confidence. Well, fair enough, but I, I yeah, I think his out playing out the back does have to improve. But I'm saying as a goalkeeper, he's done well this season. Yeah. Okay. I, I just I don't I don't know from a goalkeeping point of view. I don't think I, I've seen him do much. I don't think I've seen him do enough to fill me with confidence. He wants to stay for the month in September. Oh hallelujah! Oh, yeah, that's, that's well, until you must be blind. No, I'm not. He's very good, but uh, I, I doubt, I he's their own. Okay. For sure. Um, anyway, Prostacoglu, what do you think of his comments regarding officiating? So he was he said that 
I actually quite right, you know, respected him for it. it. But a lot of people having a go at him and saying that he's in the wrong. He said that the officials, you know, sometimes you get decisions to go against you. That's football. That's life. He's been playing for 26 years or involved in football for 26 years. He has decisions to go against him. He's had decisions to go for him. He's not going to sit there and moan about it. That was an interesting stance because obviously a lot of people are having to go at VAR at the moment, having to go at officiating and saying it needs to improve. Is it, could, is it, I know people are taking one side or the other. Is it true in both senses? Does officiating need to improve, but also in some cases it's just that's a decision. I think it's a lot easier to sit in Postacoglu's seat though and say sometimes things are against you when the two decisions that went against him were clear and obvious. Yeah. So it's a, I think in that sense, you know, you look at Arteta this week. I don't know if you've seen any Roy, of his comments. But he had a go at the, he had a massive rant against about the referees. It's a disgrace to be a part of it. Get then it, then Arsenal it, released a statement echoing a similar oh, sentiment. Jesus. It's going to be interesting to see whether there is any aftermath, but I can't really see anything happening. I thought if there was ever going to be a big revolution, if there was ever going to be the Premier League teams pushing for change, it would have been after the... Tottenham Liverpool game, where there was a goal that should have stood. It is complete swings and roundabouts because Tottenham won't be happy with the yesterday, but I mean they literally the the rules say they that they Liverpool robbed of a goal. I don't think Tottenham are unhappy with the fishing yesterday. They're a bit annoyed that Rich got sent off for something that clearly wasn't a red. But other uh, than that, I mean, it kind of like bad, the kind of not bad luck, but kind of the bad decisions come around. Like you know, for Arsenal, they'll whine and moan about the Newcastle game. But we'll look back at the last FA Cup finals between them and Chelsea where Kovacic got sent off because he got stood on. Yeah, well, they're also annoyed about the Man City game where Kovacic should have been sent off. They're also, you know, there's a... Then Havertz should have sent off against Newcastle. It's been around that. It's football. You know, you get lucky with a decision, you get unlucky with a decision. Just got to get on with it. Yeah, I do think, though, in the case of the Liverpool-Tottenham one, I, oh, I, thought, I thought the other teams would rally around. That's the problem at the moment. If the teams really want to push for change, they've got to work together. Because at the moment, it's the one team that's been affected having a go. And, and that makes sense because you're going to be annoyed by that because it's affected you. But until all the teams decide that something's got to change, mm. it's not going to. Because the problem is, in a couple of weeks, Liverpool will get the rubber green with the VR decision. Yeah. And then, right. and then they're not going to pipe it up about it being, you know, it needs to change. I think he's, I think Klopp still will. You know, I think I think the Liverpool, the Liverpool makes sense. But also, there's a difference between getting a rub, the rub of the green and having well, a yeah, clear. Was, no, so this is what I'm saying though. I think everyone else, everyone else so far this season, I think apart from you know, the Liverpool game, which was which where the rules were not followed, the rest of them have been dubious decisions, and that happens in football. Dubious decisions happen in football. Unless yeah, but been... there's a consistent problem with referees giving stupid, making stupid mistakes. That's why they've been getting sent down to the Championship. If you look at the errors against Wolves this season, for example, you could argue in the United game in their season that cost them three points. You could argue in the Wolves game where that was definitely not a penalty. You could argue that cost them three points. Yeah, I mean, it's just whole thing. I mean, Ga- yeah. Gary O'Neill had a go at it, obviously saying that it was asked whether he just received an apology. He said, "No, I don't want one." Yeah, no, I think it's whole thing. I'm not saying the technology. I'm saying everything around it because if that happens four years ago, people look at would look at the replay and go, "Yes, Wolves got unlucky in that United game, but." It will come back around at some point. Ref makes ref makes. What if you have a, a football fan who speaks that rationally? Oh, well, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> it would be. What the fuck is this? Three points. The front page of the summer would be Anthony Taylor's face and and then loads of Brexit death threats. It wouldn't be fair enough. It, let's move on. I don't think VAR is the issue. It's the clowns operating it. That's what I said. VAR as a whole, everything behind it, the actual software. I don't think people are having a go at VAR in itself. 
What's wrong with the software? Well, the bloody we don't use the automatic offside. Yeah, but that's not down to VAR. That's down to the fact that the Premier that's League that's haven't brought in that. That's the whole thing around VAR. So the people operating okay. it, the technology we use, how it works, how long it takes, all of that. I'm saying all of that is what the problem is because it, it creates all of this you know, whining and moaning and all these mistakes happen. Yeah. I don't get how they get it so wrong because we, I don't know what happens in that because we sit and watch the replays and go, that's the decision. Yeah, got with, it. Understood. With regard to the time, I can understand it more because they have to be more thorough. Well, we can look at it and go, well, that's. No, I'm not saying it is five minutes, but they do have to be more thorough. In, in that five minute check, to be fair to them, on on Monday's game, in that five minute check, they had to check at two separate, three separate incidents. Because they had to check the yeah. first one, which took ages, seemingly, to be able to draw two lines on. It's about the fact well, we could all see that Jackson was in offside position. They didn't get an Adidas ball or tell Nike to pull the finger out of their ass because that decision would have taken 10 seconds. I promise they can't do that until their deal with Nike ends. I know. And why that's would Nike do it if they know they're That whole left. Jackson you know, checking his bums offside would have been done in literally 10 seconds flat with, with the automatic yeah. offsides. But instead, we had to sit there for two and a half minutes and watch John Brook put some crosshairs on the pitch and draw a wonky line. Yeah. So in terms of where that leaves us then in, in terms of the Premier League table, Chelsea now up to 10. Come on, top 10. Well, how, I mean, City coming up this weekend for Chelsea. I'm how do we see that? I'm pretty terrifying. We might as well go. We might as well give we'll be a live for it, by the way, so join us there on Sunday. Oh, at least me there on Sunday. Well, I'll be there, but I've Chelsea might, might as well forfeit the game. But obviously Chelsea looking at the record against Big Six sides this season, they're unbeaten yeah. in three meetings. They've none of them are against against United yet, so you can't call it fraudulent either. So doing pretty well in I that regard. Big six anymore. Don't deserve <laughs> it. There's no way you can A Newcastle it instead. Yes. But yeah, it's been a, it's been an interesting start to the season for Chelsea, of course. They seem to be able to beat the good teams and lose to the lose to the best uh, lose yeah. to the bad ones. But well, not bad, of course. But it, it's wow. it, Chelsea are unable. Well, we haven't played them yet, so yeah. Chelsea unable to be, beat a low block, and it, I find it. I don't understand it really because we managed to beat Luton, who are the best team in a low block in the league. Yeah. But then teams like Nottingham Forest sat in a low block, and we really struggled to break them down. Teams like Bournemouth, teams like Brentford, were able to sit in a low block, and we struggled to break them down. Tottenham, if they're sat in a low block, do they get a point? Maybe no. because Chelsea can't score against low blocks. Yeah, I like. <laughs> I think it's different with live players, but yeah, yeah. I think. Hopefully Jackson protects him. He's got a hat trick. Jackson's got a goal every yeah. game. He's, he's flying. Best track in the league. People were saying that it was like a three out of ten performance. Right? It's like he's got a hat trick. What are you? And, and, and I hate this thing of oh, he's missed so many chances, missed so many chances. He had six shots in the game. Yeah, six shots to cons- I mean, to score every other shot is a very good return. Mm. Yeah, there was chances he missed, but I don't think overall he had a he had a bad game at all. So yeah, massive hats off to him. Our worst players were the people that came on the pitch. And the people I've seen people criticise Jackson for it all, for all three being tap-ins, but the same people oh, will praise Harland football, despite football. the fact that he has broken records with goals that you could describe yeah. as tap-ins. Well, but also for goals a goal. Smash the ball out of play because it's a tapping. Yeah. And also, the one where he rounds Vicario and shows immense composure mm. is not a tapping. If that's a tapping, then the, what is the football come to? I don't, I, I don't like to use tapping. So unless no. you stand on the goal line at five-side football and literally tap it in because that's what you do. But also, it's, it's, it's used as a derogatory term. Mm. But if your team are good enough to get in the situation, slightly less for this one because Tottenham was sat on the halfway line watching Chelsea ping the ball in behind. If your team are good enough to get the ball into a situation where one player can literally pass it into the back of the net 
That is not a negative. Yeah. That's a very good piece and of play. And that player's movement has to have been sensational to completely lose the defender. So the one, you know, to, to, to really attack players for tappings, I find a little bit uh, preposterous. I know it's a bad point because it's it's, it's terrible in hindsight, but. Sorry, are you are you putting a point? No, no, no. I know this is wrong, but I'm going to say it's just one of those that obviously don't make sense because you can take so many different variations of it. Right. But if you really think it's a tap in, I'll put you there five yards out at the Etihad up against a world class goalkeeper on the because you're Harland now, and right. yeah, and I'll make you score there from five yards and yeah. see if you can do it. Okay, you'll put it straight on Nana, I bet. That might go in. Yeah, yeah. Lovely. Lovely. Well done, guys. You've, you've scored. Yeah, great. Shall we turn our attention elsewhere? Yes. So oh, that's enough Premier League for yes, one. Okay. Well, we could talk about the Arsenal-Newcastle decision, but if anyone thinks that's ball out of play, Again, you don't understand the rules. Ball and out of play, how it should have sent off. There we go, done. I didn't even see the Havertz instant, but I loved... Have you seen Keys and Grey on yeah, yeah. being sport? <laughs> And the grey laughs it and then realise actually that is in play. Yeah. And then they both sit there and go, the plot thickens. It was such a good line. I was picturing myself laughing at that. And they're talking about it on uh, Football Clichés this morning yeah. as well. Fantastic. Oh, Arteta can just win what he wants. It was, oh, it was so, so, so funny. But yeah, I think that's enough Premier League. Let's yeah. turn our attention instead to the WSL. I know there are a lot of people very intrigued to see our takes on some of the stuff this weekend. Firstly... The table has very much changed. Top of the league. Yes. Chelsea are now a clear top of the table by three points. A very good weekend for the Blues. Yeah, it was a brilliant game against Aston Villa. Um, a brilliant game or brilliant for Chelsea? Brilliant for Chelsea. <laughs> it, was, it was good as a Chelsea fan to watch Chelsea just run around Villa um, and put six yeah, in. But... It was cruise control, yeah. really well taken goals from everyone involved. It, and... it, Felt vintage Chelsea. It was a champion. We've not seen it so far from Chelsea this campaign, but against a really strong opposition to score six, very yeah. very impressive stuff. Really, really good performance. You know, it's exactly what you expect from an AFC Chelsea side. And Man City saw that, and on Sunday, shout themselves, mate. Shout yeah. themselves. Arsenal always turn up for the City again. They've not had a good start to the campaign, but they now find themselves level on points with City, which is crazy, incredible, really, yeah. given how poor they've been to start the season after their their victory at the weekend. Good game from Arsenal. They played really well. Yeah, they did do well. They did. I mean, they did struggle first ten minutes, and as soon as they got that their first goal, suddenly the front yeah. gates opened. I mean, Kiara Keating in the city net. She had a mental game for her. Arsenal should have scored a lot more in the first half. I yeah, will say. Definitely. I think City didn't really offer any sort of goal threat throughout the match. Mm. You could say Arsenal were were fortunate in the manner they scored the second goal. A hundred percent agree with that. But they were the better side throughout the game. City really didn't leave an impression. And I feel for Kiara Keating because she had a lot of work to do in the City goal and yet she'll be criticised for the for the two mistakes she made in giving the ball... She, she, she kicked the ball out and that was one First back by Arsenal. Gave her the pen, not on her though. That yeah, was Alexandra's yeah, shocking pass back. She did then make up for it by yeah, staving the penalty. Really she scored the penalty, really. Yeah, and then of course the goal at the end, which Kiara yeah. Keating missed the ball and Black yeah. tucked it into an empty net. But uh, Yeah, she got... I mean, yeah. I think it's only 19. I think that the, the second goal... The Black Senior's goal, yeah, an experienced goalkeeper there either doesn't misjudge it or unselfishly takes on for the team and just handballs it. Yeah. Two other points as well then from the game. I've seen people saying that after the after the game, Black Senior should be starting over Russo because she scored. I'm not 100% sure of that because to say that Russo wouldn't have been that mm. same position is, is stupid in my opinion. I mean, 
But also, Blagzenius hasn't proved anything by scoring that. She put it into an empty net after a keeper missed the pole. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't think Blagzenius should start over Ruto because she scored. But I would start to put pressure. Maybe yeah. me and Dean are coming back and Blagzenius on the bench. Pressure has to be put under Alessia Russo. Could could Russo move position? Could she be more effective out wide for Arsenal? We know Maybe. she's very good through the middle, but she hasn't been for Arsenal. They need someone up there that's going to play as almost a false nine. Yeah. And Russo isn't very good in that role. Miadima, Black Sanders, both with a bit of height who can really play as that target forward yeah. and then use Mead and potentially Russo on the right-hand side. That's a really strong attack for me. So I think potentially they could look to shoehorn Russo in on the right. The other point I want to make as well for after that is the... Uh, well, I want to say, uh, Ruben Moy was sensational throughout the game. One of the best performances I've ever seen from her. Does she stake a claim to a permanent spot in the England side and the Arsenal side? I, I don't know about England. I think you've still got Millie Bright and Leah Williams when she comes back. And yeah. if not, you've got Alex Greenwood. Well, and Greenwood that, obviously out injured at the moment. Yeah. But yeah. Absolutely. If you've got all, all centre-halves fit, you've got Millie Bright and Leah Williamson, who are two of the best centre-halves in the world. For Arsenal? Is she getting over Illich dead? I think so. Is she getting over... Illich dead, really uh, Is it Cordoba? Uh, I can't either. Kadena, sorry. Yeah, Kadena. Did she play Saturday? She didn't play, no. It was with Moy and uh, Illich dead. Yeah, I think I think Illich struggled. I think with Moy did look very good. Ivar's got still got a lot to decide with his team. He still hasn't made his mind up of how he wants to play. Yeah, it's or it's who he wants to play. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a really decent team. It's a nice headache to have, though. It is, it is, but it feels like but it's not looking good for him. Though, <laughs> I was going to say, he's already got about eight headaches going on, so, so he's like, struggling. First time Saturday, I've seen he's smile. It's beautiful. It's been it, a long time since yeah. I've seen Jonas Eideval. It was a happen. massive win for Arsenal. Massive. Yeah, very crucial, because that's the season defining. If they yeah. lose that, they find themselves, what, six points off Manchester City? Yeah, yeah. And six points off Chelsea. Now it's only three points off both. That's salvageable. And they're in the title fight once more. Yeah. But yeah. Also in the WSL, we want, I want to go to Chelsea as well because we've got a lot to talk about there. But Manchester United dropping points to Brighton. Yeah. One, how good, how good are this Brighton side? And two, how, when are United going to stop drawing? Yeah, I was going to say, I think United United could get fourth just on the fact that Aston and Villa have been pure crap. Well, there's been a lot of like, things they've done very well. I do not know what's happened to Aston Villa. Brilliant season last year. Yeah. Bought in some world-class players. It's gone worse. And it's so... I haven't got a point. Yeah. They're the only team in the league after Bristol City's win. I haven't got a Wait, point. Well done to Bristol City, by the way. 3-2 win over West yeah, Ham. Very impressive win. stuff. They're fighting for their lives down there. That's a huge pick-up. Well, oh, that could United. be helpful if Villa are going to get themselves relegated. Yeah. Uh, United are, are, are struggling as well. Yeah. I mean, Brighton... And absolutely flying at the moment. United now find themselves a point behind Arsenal. Brighton aren't flying at the moment, sorry. Um, Tottenham are flying. United find themselves a point behind Arsenal after they've already played them this season and drew with them. United, they've beaten Everton and Villa, but they've drawn their other three matches and been dumped out of the Champions League. It's not been a great start to the season for United. They find themselves sixth in the league. That's without Aston Villa above them. So... Really not a great right. great start for, United, for a United team that would have wanted to push for the title. Still yeah. very tight, though. I mean, there's only 13 points between top and bottom. Yeah. I don't know how long Tottenham and Liverpool stay third and fourth. No, well, Tottenham play Liverpool this week, so probably much, not yeah. much longer in no, that case, because one of them's got no. a drop. But, not at all. Yeah. Uh, Tottenham do do have a nice fixture list in I terms of they play Liverpool Everton, they play right. Liverpool and then Leicester. If they win those, yeah, they would have. If they beat beaten Everton, they'd be a point off Chelsea. 
Yeah. So they would have put themselves in a very good position. In terms of the other fixtures, they've then got City on the 26th, uh, United on the 10th of December, and then they play Arsenal in the League Cup, and then Arsenal on the tw- 16th as well in the League. Mm. So a double up against Arsenal. They're not brilliant for Tottenham, that. No. But yeah, after so uh, they've got a nice next two games. They've got to beat Liverpool, got to beat Leicester, definitely. Yeah. Got to beat Bristol City in the League Cup. Then they've got some tough ties ahead but yeah they'll be hoping to to put themselves in a position through those ties to still be to still be up there but yeah a good start of the season in the WSL but some big news breaking from Chelsea over the weekend Emma Hayes set to resign as Chelsea boss at the end of the season for after 10 or 12 years at the club this is really sad news wasn't it yeah what a manager what a manager 12 yeah. 12 years at the club 15, 15, 16 trophies, something like that. So, yeah, it's 12, or 12 or 13 years, I can't remember now. And Yeah. yeah. More trophies than years at the club. Absolutely. Obviously, six WSL titles in that time. Still an elusive UCL title. Do we think Chelsea can win the Champions League this year? I think they've got to put every, all their eggs in that basket this year. Yeah. Especially the fact they're already three points clear at the top of the table. Yeah. Emma Hayes will want that Champions League. Groups, groups winnable. Paris yeah. FC are good. Harkin are decent. But they should be both... Mm, victories yeah, there should be a win. and then Real Madrid as you say could be a win but it's a should, should be yeah. should be topping that group yeah I mean Chelsea look brilliant um, yeah. and I mean no one will ever replace Emma, like, can replace what Emma Hayes has done for Chelsea no I'm, I'm on to- the topic of replacements yeah there have been a couple of names throughout there already is there anyone you would throw in the in the ring I mean it's I don't the problem is I can't I honestly cannot find a name that is worthy enough to replace Emma Hayes. Someone has to do it. Yeah, it's also, I think, in our case especially, I know there'll be a lot of people with a lot more knowledge out there, but since we've only really been getting into WSL and women's football as a whole in the last two, three years, I think it is difficult to know a lot of managers. There has been a few few names thrown out there. I was trying to find what I saw. If Emma Hayes wins the Champions League of Chelsea, and obviously we know she's going to move on to the US national team job, if she wins the Champions League of Chelsea... And then can win something with the US, hands down, the best manager yeah. in women's football. Just since someone say Graham Potter. No. He's out of a job. No. He's out of a job. No. He's <laughs> a good coach, Graham Potter. He is, but not. But there was, there was a couple of suggestions. There was the old Barcelona manager, whose name does escape me now. Mm. I will just quickly Leon try Boss. And find that. Yeah, the current Leon manager I saw there. Uh, we, we were talking about this the other day, weren't we? On stream, I think it was on the well, it's, uh, yeah, Arsenal City. It's one. got to be someone that's good enough, but also wants to take that step. So it feels like it's going to be a side step for a manager yeah. to come across. You know, we I mean, I'd love just yeah. go and get Geraldes, but um, yeah. And unless we find a up, up, young up and coming manager and just give them a chance, then I think it is very, very hard to replace Emma Hayes. You know, Luis Cortes, that was it. Yeah. The former manager of Barcelona, just come off uh, a job at the Ukraine women's side. For me, that is he's a good option. He's still only 37, so it's time for him to yeah. build something really good at the club. I, I, think, I back him to do a yeah. job. But... What will be key for Chelsea is we can't... As whoever comes in, we cannot start comparing them to Emma Hayes. No. Because we know no one will replace her. And... We've got to remember that. Obviously, we can still judge whoever comes in and go, why aren't we top of the league? Why are we now in group in the Champions League? Uh, so but, Sonia Bonpastor yeah, has been linked to Chelsea as we well. We can't expect the Emma Hayes level of performance. Because yeah. that will just not be matched. 
she is unrivaled when it comes to domestic success as as, as a manager in the women's game of all time. You know, she's probably going to kill it on the international stage. And if she can grab that UCL, yeah. then she is hands down the greatest that's, that's the thing. manager of all time. I think she, already she has to be in that she's conversation. In that, yeah. And especially if she gets that Champions League title, as you say... I hope then she can go on and win the World Cup of the US. If England not going to win it, let's get Emma Hayes the World yeah. Cup trophy to add to her repertoire. But yeah, a very, a very, very good manager. And it's sad to see someone that's loved so much at Chelsea Football Club leave the club. Yeah. But anyway, that is, yeah. I mean, it, it feels like it's her home. She's moving house. Chelsea are no rush to replace her, though. They've still got 12 months yep. to work. Well, about seven, and eight months now. But... You can't get wrong. Yeah, it's it's going to be crucial that they they nail that, and so it's worth taking time to to work that out. Yeah, there's going to be good coaches out there they can go and get. Whether that they have to poach off another team or whether there is someone in the market like Cortez who they can yeah. just go and pick up, will be interesting to see whether they can attract someone from the men's game. Maybe. I mean, could Frank Lampard do it? Who knows? Frank Lampard linked with the Norwich City job again this week, um, with rumours that David Wagner. Will be sacked. Bringing Wagner to Chelsea. Don't do it. No, don't do that. That's not a good idea. (laughs) Anyway, final thing then before we get into some FPL. La Liga title race. We've spoken about this a lot recently because we've got another twist in the tale. Real Madrid drew this weekend, meaning now Girona sit top of the league, two points clear. They can't stop winning. They were 2 0 1 down. They've already played Real. Is it their year? Are they actually going to win the La Liga? Like, this is not a drill. Yeah, they've got Vallecano, Bilbao, Valencia, Barcelona, Deportivo, Alaves in the next five. Ooh. They could all be victories. The Barcelona game is obviously the toughest. I don't think we well, need a rocket scientist no. to work that one out. But Vallecano they should beat. Yeah. Valencia aren't doing all that well this season, I don't believe. Yeah. They are sitting eighth in the league. Bilbao fifth. Yeah. They're beatable. It's going to be interesting what Hirona can do. Then they've got Barca. Difficult game. Alaves shouldn't be too difficult for them, though. But, yeah, not not the nicest fixtures, but they do sit top at the moment. In the same time period, Barcelona face Alaves Avalicano at Letico Madrid, which is going to be a great game on that the 3rd of December. Hirona and then Valencia. And then uh, for Real Madrid, it is... A, a an interesting fixture list: Valencia, Cadiz, Granada, Bil, uh, Betis, and Villarreal. Should all be wins. So the problem for her own now is: can they beat Bilbao, Barca, and Valencia? Again, it is always that question when an underdog is winning the league. Can and how long what? can this momentum train keep going? And then they've got Betis and Madrid after that. Yeah. Let's go. So some difficult fixtures yeah. coming up. This will be the real. Got to test. keep rolling. They've got to keep rolling on with these wins. Valencia's a must win. Yeah. They did get a little bit fortunate this week. They were 2-1 down at one point, managed to win that 4-2. So, testament to their character, really. Yeah. They've managed to get that one over the line. But it's going to be crucial that they get wins in the next Definitely. few games to keep the momentum going. Yes. But yeah. It's interesting. interesting. It, it, Shall it, we talk it, about fantasy Premier League? We should. We should. It's been a shit week for everyone. I, everyone this is this is a sort of like counselling session, therapy session. Everyone, come in. Come in. It's all right. I know it's been a tough week, but let's all you, just then? sit down. And and relax. Well, you're the therapist. Okay. Oh God. We're gonna get. I got all average again. It's gonna be like the opposite of therapy. They what give are you. Doing? I've got a full green arrow week. Yeah. I've got a few grey circles on here because that's because I'm already top. 
God, you're just so... I, I, when you finally drop, it's going to be such a great moment. Um, well, I I was quite happy with my week, relatively. Yeah. 30 points, not bad, considering a lot of people scored. I mean, I saw a team with one that I, I screenshotted it to to, show, yeah. to bring to the podcast here. One point. One single point. Now, this is audio, so, well, the people on YouTube can see us, but uh, they can't see this. But one point to the team. So, Vicario in goal with one. Yeah. Then Dan Byrne with one. Then you doggy minus four. Romero minus four. Jesseron Raksaki with zero. Lucas Paqueta with zero. Alex McAllister one. Salah two. Isak none. Alvarez two. Captain Harlan two. One point. Now I thought, I thought it'd be one of those teams that like no one's checked and they've got no injury. That is actually. Like, that is an 11. They put out, and they got one. Because I put, you doggy, why did he get mine? Because they conceded four, didn't they? No, oh, they, they went on the pitch. That doesn't oh. add to theirs. But he minus four, then? I'm not sure. It's minus three for a red, right? Yeah. I'll have a look. I'll have a look. Hang on. Yeah. I'll see what it's been attributed to. Because that we can look crazy. Back that is absolutely the... crazy. Game week 11 points. So, Dest, uh, they both got, yeah, they did both get minus four. So, uh, Christian Romero picked up minus two for goals conceded. Nice, no, so they did get the four. But they didn't concede any goals before while he was on the pitch. Well, they got sent off. So, I guess it still counts. It's not they got subbed off. They got... And then minus three for the red card. <laughs> that is horrendous. And then you, I guess they were technically still on the yeah, field, yeah. right? Because they never got subbed. Oh, that's great fun. And then again, the same for Destiny Udoggy. You know, Udoggy's yellows have been was actually sorted out. So, he was on three yellow cards. Now, it's a bit of a weird situation. He was on three yellow cards. In theory, he should have picked up four and five. But instead, he picked up that fourth yellow. Then it was taken off when he got the second one. He's back to three. Would it make more sense to, to take him up to five, wipe that off, and add an extra game to suspension? No? I think, I mean, that point doesn't make more sense, but in the, in the lettering of the law... It is that those two yellows equal one red. Yeah. So you don't get the two yellows and the red, you just get the red because the two yellows equal a red. Yeah, I get that. I personally would have had it. I mean, I've had a decent week. I got 39. Actually, we haven't said how many brought. I got 30. No, I got 30. So not too bad. It was a bit annoying. If I had one or two better players in there, that would be all right. I've now got a lot of injury problems and suspension problems. Yeah. Luckily, you doggy sat at third sub. I think I'm going to keep him around because he's only one game suspended. Yeah. I've got, so Captain Harlan, that wasn't great. Then I had Nunez 2, Watkins 2, Salah 2, 1 from Allison, 2 from Son. Really, really poor. Cole Bloody Palmer, a hero. 12 points, goal and assist, 2 bonuses. I was honestly just loving him last night. Then yeah. Cash none, Simicast 1, Gerhi 5, another big, another big points haul from him. He could have got bonuses if he didn't pick up a yellow card. If without the yellow, he'd had an extra point and then had a bonus point yeah. as well. But alas, and then Ariola with one in goal. Bit annoying. Thought that West Ham might be able to win that one against yeah. Brentford, but I, I, my goalkeepers haven't kept a clean sheet all season. I don't think. I, I think I might have had one week That's where that. I had a goalkeeper keep a clean sheet. Game week eight, turn it, and then uh, game week seven as well. But yeah, my goalkeeper was my highest falling player this week was Sam Johnson on nine points. Uh, I had I had Johnston for week, just for fucking weeks. But when man. I had him for the first few weeks of the season, Henderson was signed. I waited a few weeks, and I thought he's going to take over now after this international break. So I took out Sam Johnston, and he and he hasn't. 
Hasn't yeah. materialised. Anderson got you five, Bowden six, and Bremer five, Metamer six. Yeah. Apart from that, I'm all looking at twos and ones and zeros. I am worried for next week because I have Harland, Madison, Cash, and Burner all flashing at me of injuries. Oh, <laughs> flashing at you? Yeah. God, know, it's awful. must be harrowing. Well, I did bench Dan um, Baldock on four, which is disappointing. Yeah, that. I can't did not imagine him. that happening, though. How did he do assist? No, he got one penalty, didn't he? So assist. Surging yeah. run into the box. <laughs> Bursting around. Bursting around, that's it. Bold up, burst a pace. The thought chat league, should we try and find something high scoring? In fact, top of the league's on 55. Might be the highest we yeah. find. I'm 17th. All right. I'm actually 17th. That's very impressive. You oh, keep talking about that while I try and find someone. No, you look, go for top five and I'll, go, I'll try and find All right, one. all right then. Top five for the league. Fifth in the league, it is Romaro Clarkent. Was previously top of the table, now finds himself fifth after a 24-point game week. Uh, who they have, just no one in their team. Meter got six. Captain Salah, bench Gerhi on five. Would have been a potentially decent week if he hadn't done that. Then in fourth, we have Gakiri United, Linus Tiger, with a 28 score this week, rising them up into fourth. Johnston benched with nine, Ooh. while Saar starts with one. Oh, Poor why? decision making that. Well, I guess so. Manchester United. Yeah, that so, yeah, that's uh, that's tough. Salah four and Buemo five. Bowen seven. A lot of people benefiting from Jared Bowen. In third, mix and match. Sunil Adikari thirty four points this week. Trippier nine was the big points haul. Plus a Huang five points and seven from Bowen. Did bench Cameron Archer on nine. Ooh. Plus. Issa Kabore on eight. Oh, dear. Half times. While they had Cash Nunn starting and Haaland doubled to two with the captaincy starting, Yudoki sat in first sub. Luckily, did not get subbed in. <laughs> Second, Josh Bertha has stayed where he is. Mutant Ninja Skirtles, 40 points. As always. Tyke Mitchell with 15. What's a hero for him, really? Six from me to a seven from Bowen. Rounded off pretty much all the points from him. And then a new tabletopper, Sam Webber, OKU with 55 points. Johnson and Gull with nine. Trippier and Shaw at the back, nine and five points. Then 12 from Cole Palmer, seven for Bowen for one of the highest scores possible this week. Cross and Buemo with five. Fair enough. I mean, so that was 55 points. I've had to go down to 211th to find someone who's got one more point on 56. It is Michael Awoyale wow. with their team Amigo TM. Again, Carried by two players, Mitchell on fifteen, Bruno Sanchez on ele- Bruno Sanchez, Bruno Fernandez <laughs> on eleven, Bruno Sanchez, and then it was Tritter on nine, Meatham on six, and the rest of them yeah. were twos, ones, and zeros. Well, I think that's the highest we're going to find in the league. Highest in the world, by the way. Just want to just want to say to them right now, what nutter triple captain Jeremy Doku? Because fair play. This was frustrating about the game, right? <laughs> He's done why that. have you done why have they they done that? Why have they done that? Eleven from Bruno as well. Had six from Onana in goal. Who has Onana at this Ooh. point? Nine from Trippier. Most insane team. Sixty six from a triple captain on Doki. Why? Why? How's that happened? How has that happened? Can I get the people I, I swear people time travel the player I think I think a lot of it is people is like AI teams where they just build yeah. loads and loads of te- they have loads of teams and they hope yeah, one of I, them will be top I still I've still got you on my chips I haven't yeah. used the chip yet and I'm already 17 well I've got I'm thinking that a wild card I've only got two have, of four I have four injuries and yeah. I might shift a few of them Harland maybe is it stick uh, or twist he's got a run of uh, Chelsea Liverpool and Tottenham I was considering taking out Darwin Nunes. Do I take out Harland instead I'm not sure with Chelsea coming up I might tr- triple captain him no yeah. um, 
<laughs> but yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what decisions are made in the next few weeks in terms of FPL. But yeah, hopefully I can get a few more points. That's yeah. everything I think for this week. Yeah. Uh, this goes out on Wednesday, so a load of streams to tell you about. We are live on Wednesday for Arsenal versus Sevilla. It's an eight o'clock kickoff. We'll be live from quarter two. Join us uh, for that. Should be a good one. We are live on Thursday for Brighton versus Ajax or Ajax versus Brighton. It's the uh, Second time we've watched them in the last yeah. few weeks. It's going to hopefully be, again, another decent game. It is a, a quarter to six kickoff, so we'll be live from half past five. Then on Friday, look out for Premier League predictions as always. That is going live at the same time it always does. Midday for everyone in the UK and wherever you are in the world, you have to work that one out yourselves. And then in the, over the weekend, Sunday, we are live for Chelsea versus Manchester City. So join us there for that one. Very exciting times. A lot yeah. of dreams. You'd love to say, can't wait, can't wait. Yes. And I can wait for Chelsea City. I'll wait forever. (laughs) It's going to be a good one. Chelsea versus Manchester City. Do not miss it. That's everything for this week, though. Thank you guys very, very much for watching. Well, listening majority, but thanks to the members as well who have watched this. If you're listening, head on over to YouTube, head on over to the Discord, little chat Discord, and have your say. But that's everything for this week. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. See ya.